Hello and welcome to Fempreneur True Confessions Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome. I'm Laura and or Oda, which is other duties as assigned, and I own a virtual assistant and project management agency. We are a small agency that helps with small business owners, women in business that really need that assistance behind the scenes in the organization. Um, among several other different things that are, you know, just crazy. So, um, and Angelique here. Angelique, I'm uh, Angelique Lowstrong with Lady Powerhouse Solutions. Laura and I do really similar things. I do project and event management, um, but we support each other. We help each other. We work with each other. We work for each other. Um, and we, uh, and we want to model that for other female entrepreneurs and show what it, what it looks like when, women support each other and that there with that abundance mindset that there's more than enough to go to go around. You're not my competition. We should be helping each other. Mm -hmm. And it works out really well when we do. It does. Have we had any like hiccups? Oh, (laughs) like have we had any, have we had any hiccups where like you and I working together or for each other has caused an issue? No, not at all. It helps. So that's the thing is that when you put in a different mindset of collaboration and understanding there, as the leader, you don't always know everything and you need the resources, you need the support elsewhere. So you have to get vulnerable and get trusting with groups of people or a a person or whatever. You have to find that and, and be trusting in that. Whether yeah. we do the same thing, because you need someone who does the same thing, because right. she knows my challenges, I know hers. Like, yeah, we can totally relate to each other, and I think too, it's really helped us grow as leaders because as leaders, we have to know what we don't know, mm-hmm. and we have to be able to hold each other accountable. And we've had some come to Jesus moments with each other. We have. Oh yeah, we yeah. There's definitely some. You know, both of us have the same personality when it comes to that. It's one of those. Okay, I'm gonna be a little unpleasant right now, but I will be Mm -hmm. here to hold your hand and work through it afterwards. This isn't going to be easy, but we're going to do it together. Yeah. Yeah. Because entrepreneurship, it isn't always easy. Mm -hmm. It isn't always like, oh, I'm going to follow my passion. Everything's going to be perfect. We're going to find out from today's guest that that isn't always the fact, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. So I am going to introduce Emma. And Emma Tesler is the founder and CEO of 95 Media, a digital marketing marketing agency that builds results-driven marketing strategies for scaling brands. Thanks. (laughs) With eight years of marketing experience under her belt, Emma helps brands connect with ideal clients, build community, and convert audience members into paying customers through social media marketing. Hi. Awesome. <laughs> welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome, welcome. And you know, uh L- Laura, it's a Monday, y'all. First of all, <laughs> it's our first Monday doing it in this format. We went from Wednesday evenings to Mondays at noon. Uh last season we did noons as well, 12 o'clock as well. And we so we've kind of circled back to that, but not on Monday. So <laughs> I, I can feel the challenge coming on. <laughs> My R's and W's and S's today are, yeah, we're going to have fun. Maybe we need to do some um, lip exercises or some verbal exercises or something before we go live. I don't know. We'll have to Google that. 
So Emma, thank you for being here with us. And as I hinted earlier, um, we talk about, you know, uh, following our passion. And I think that's really important that we do follow our passion, but that doesn't mean that our passions don't change. Right. So one of the things that jumped out at me when you filled out your intake form to be a guest was how you realized that the career you had chosen, that was your passion really wasn't your passion anymore and having that realization and then having not having to but choosing to pivot so talk to us about that we want to hear your story yeah definitely so i my first career was interior design and to go from interior design to marketing is there's no straight path. There's no, oh, this leads to another. Of course, that makes a lot of sense. It makes zero sense, especially if you understand like the mark, the interior design space. That industry is very sort of antiquated when it comes to a lot of the functions and how businesses run their operations. And then you go to digital marketing, which is I believe the most fast paced industry that exists today because it is constantly changing every single day. There's something new to keep up with. And it's funny because that huge gap was almost what made me want to switch because when I decided I wanted to do interior design, I was really driven by the love of spaces, the love of design, the love of being able to curate an environment that really dictated how you operate and how you functioned within a space. And I mean, I still love that. Who doesn't love design? It's such a fun, you know, kind of industry to be in. But once I really dived in and figured out, okay, well, this is a little different than what I thought it would be. You know, you get a degree in something and then you enter the real world and you're like, what? Like, this is not what I thought. This is just not what I was told. But, you know, being in the industry and really kind of experiencing it, I realized, you know, there's so much that is not current here. And it felt like a lot just wasn't as inspiring as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And it was through interior design that I actually found marketing. So I can never say it was for waste or not worth it because I was interning for a designer in 2015 who wanted to expand her business into consulting in addition to her design services. And I was the youngest person on her team. I was in college and she was just like, Hey, I heard people are doing this thing on Instagram or they're getting clients. Um, Here's my phone. I just need you to figure this out for me. Okay. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I just posted a sunset photo to Instagram last night. I do not know what I'm doing here. So (laughs) I really just kind of took that as an opportunity to dive in and explore what was going on on Instagram at that time, which honestly was not a lot, but it was the beginning inklings of what was to come and what we Mm -hmm. now know as, you know, Instagram of 2024. Mm -hmm. So at that point, when I really started exploring it, I found, you know, well, there are some brands on here and they're definitely marketing what they're doing. This is a huge opportunity. And it kind of just sparked this light bulb for me that this was the future. And it was really exciting to be able to see that that was going to continue to expand, that there was a lot of opportunity there. Um, And so over the next few years, I just took on some clients uh, and expanded my business. And it wasn't really until 2020 when the pandemic hit, where Mm -hmm. beginning of the year, 
lost most of our clients because no one was making revenue. Everyone was like, I don't, we can't do this right now. Like, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. We don't even need space to decorate at this point. Exactly. Right. Well, there was the decorating side, which definitely, you know, the design world really hurt during that year. But even with our side hustle clients, I was building 95 media at that time. And our clients on the social side were, you know, really pulling back. But then the summer of 2020 hit. And that was when everyone realized that was that click for everyone. And they said, oh, well, shit, like I have nothing else to market my brand on. Like we have to do this. Mm -hmm. And then that's really where, you know, a couple months after March, 2020 was when we really exploded as a business and everything really took off. So it was the end of 2020 that I ended up leaving design, uh, going all in and building 95 media full time. Um, and since then we have just seen massive success because of the work that we do for our clients, which is really marketing their businesses on social and allowing them to see really incredible results from their content rather than just kind of posting to post, which is where a lot of yeah. brands come to us at. They're like, Oh, yes. I've been doing this thing for years and years, but like, I don't think this is worth it because we've never seen results. And then we come in and they see really incredible results. And that's the impact that we're able to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And that is the difference between social media marketing and just posting. Yeah. yeah. Social media like, and social media marketing are two very different things. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like I'm glad you have a Facebook account and you want to run ads, but, um, and you know, and there are people out there who are boosting ads and they're selling, they're seeing, they see, um, you know, good engagement and response and they think, Oh, well, I'm just going to do more of it. Um, and that may or may not work. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It may or may not work. They might've gotten lucky. They might've whatever, but if there isn't strategy and we had a guest on last week, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to her, but she was, uh, you know, she's a strategy marketing strategy company mm -hmm. for the most part. And, um, and that's mostly what I do. Even when a client comes to me and says, I want to do marketing. Can you help me with social media? I can absolutely help you with social media. What's your strategy? And I would say the majority of the time they don't, they don't have one. No, I mean, that is definitely the biggest gap for all of the clients that come to us as well is that they, yes, we are a digital marketing agency and our services are mainly social media management, but, um, at our core strategy is everything. And we actually have what we call the 95 media method, which is a four, four part process that we work through that allows us to really bring to life the really important pieces. So the first step is understanding goals. And I think that's a piece of strategy that a lot of businesses miss because they think, oh, well, okay, first I'm just going to post and then I stop. I don't, I'm not seeing results. So now, okay, I need to build a strategy. Okay. Now we have a strategy, but like, it's not really doing what I want it to do. Okay. Now I have to go back to goals. So that's where we start is understanding where a business wants to go. And that's the, okay. Do you want to just build your followership? Do you actually want to generate 10 sales this month? Do you want to have five people book sales calls with you? Like, what are those goals? Because that is then going to dictate the strategy. And yep. then once we have the strategy laid, then we can execute. And then the execution is dependent on the data. And so data is the step four for us is we look at data every single week and then monthly and then quarterly. And data drives the, the adjustments that we're making to strategy because if something's not working, you don't want to keep doing it. You need to adjust along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's so true. Um, I had one client that came to me, wanted to run Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, 
but she didn't really have a strategy. I'm like, all right, well, what are your goals? Let's put a strategy together. And the nice thing is this particular company, um, she's been, she's an awesome businesswoman. She did the things I asked her to do. So important. (laughs) And we came up with a strategy and goals and we increased her engagement by 444%. I mean, it was amazing. Like when you do the things, the wonderful things you can get in return. So she was able to increase her sales, which was one of her goals. She was able to increase her engagement, which was one of her goals. Um, She was a brick and mortar that probably that opened shortly before COVID and probably would have failed if she hadn't done the things, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and now she's just strictly online. Yeah. Even better, even better. And I mean, I think it's really important to kind of what you're saying where, you know, someone might think they need something. And then when you actually speak to, you know, the experts and someone who has the solutions, it may not be the thing that you need. We just signed a client who came to me wanting to do influencer marketing. And I said, well, no, look at your social media. Like you're not going to attract the right people. Like we have to get your organic presence moving correctly Mm -hmm. first. And then we can talk about influencer marketing down the road, but you know, you want to make sure always that you're working with people who have your best interests in mind and who can also support in the right avenues and not just the one that benefits them in their right. Company. <laughs> yeah. I can take your money. Yeah. Um, right. But that's what I told him. I'm like, I can take your money all day long, but it, you know, that's not going to get you what you're wanting. Mm-mm. Okay. So let's talk about your goals and let's create a strategy around that. And that way you actually get what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I totally agree. You have to have someone that has your best interests in mind, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talked about content and creating content. And um, one of the things that you initially had to learn to do was create content that would create trust with your audience and then sit back and trust <laughs> that it would lead to sales. So let's talk about that because those are hard things. It's hard to sit back and wait, number one. Um, and then it's easy to, to go into overwhelm when you're like, okay, how do I create content that builds trust, being transparent, being authentic. And those can be hard things too. Those are kind of scary because you're putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Especially with the way social media can be. So yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, for us, just in terms of building our business, building trust with our online audience was incredibly important because Uh, when we were starting out and even to this day, you know, a lot of our clientele does come from our social media presence, as well as people that I may meet at networking events or through relationships, things like that. And being able to build trust really quickly is a critical element of a building a business and then be marketing that business. So being able to do that kind of face to face, but then also through your content, of course, that kind of comes out in different avenues. Um, but understanding the basics is really kind of a key component to brand building, in my opinion. Um, with our content, you know, this is kind of something that we do with our own content, as well as for all of the brands that we create social media content for. We sort of have three pillars that we work through that allow 
any brand to build trust with their audience because there's a lot of avenues that you can go down, but it's easy to get stuck in one. And typically we get stuck in one avenue that we're comfortable in, but really doesn't serve our audience. So when you talk about the three pillars, how did you discover those three pillars? Let's talk about how you got to where you are and how it felt creating that content in the beginning. Yeah. For you. I think that we kind of got to them through trial and error in the beginning. And I always use 95 media as the guinea pig for anything. (laughs) Whenever we're testing something out or a new software, I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to do it for us first. We're going to make sure we see results and then we're going to launch it to our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the, in the early days, I, when we were creating content for ourselves, I mean, I was the one creating it, you know, marketing our brand and doing most of the things in the early days. And I got really stuck in educational content. Um, that is content that is so easy for me to make. And it just flows out. And even to this day, I'm just like, I just want to teach. I just want to like tell everyone everything. And it is the easiest for us to do. And at the time it worked well, because this was around 2019, I would say, which was very heavy on the educational content on social media. It was all about learning. The coaching industry was blowing up. Value-based content was really important. Um, And as the year shifted, like it just became more and more important to expand from there because we weren't seeing the results that we once were. But the three pillars, it definitely includes educational content. So that is, you know, teaching, making sure that you're showing up as a leader in your space because that there's nothing better than to showcase your expertise and that can lead to trust really easily. Today, a lot of that leadership content is coming from less educational and more entertaining content. So when you can show up as an authority in a way, especially on TikTok or in a reel, where maybe you're taking a pop culture moment that's happening and you're infusing education and your expertise, but also showing that you have a personality because we tend to forget that people work with people and we all do the same similar work. There are so many people out there that do exactly what you do, but when you can show up as someone who is different and really has this quality that attracts and repels people, it sets you apart. And that is a huge reason why people want to work with you. Um, So one pillar is educational content. Another pillar is validating content validating content we often forget to do because it's the type of content that recognizes where our audience is on their journey and allows them to know like, it's okay that you're there, Uh but you could be here. Right. Uh So we want to recognize that this is where you're at. Like these are the things that you're struggling with. Um, and then also provide that solution, AKA your service or your product, whatever it is, that's going to bring them over that hurdle. Um, And the last one is vulnerable content. And this is the one that everyone kind of cringes at when I say like vulnerable, what do you like? I don't want to cry on camera. That's not my vibe. Um, And there's definitely no crying required for vulnerable content, but vulnerable is, you know, it's a lot of. Let's really leverage to that. Okay. I'm just saying. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult one to leverage, you know, like people get really intimidated about showing who they are on social. But when you look at, I mean, the biggest trend on social media over the past five to 10 years has been influencer marketing. Like it's pretty obvious. That's very in your face. The reason those influencers are so popular is because they've been vulnerable and they've shared their story. They've shared where they came from. They've shared the struggles along the way, which I know is a huge highlight for this show. And it has allowed their audience to connect with them. And we sometimes think that, oh, well, it's a business. Like I'm not a personal brand. It's a, it's a business entity outside of myself. But if you're the face of the business, your story is the story of the brand. And we have to remember that and bring it to the forefront, which again, going back to trending content, like that's why get ready with me content day in my life content. Those are really, really important pieces of content to incorporate into your calendar because they give people a behind the scenes look at what your life is, what your team's environment is, what goes on in a day to day. And they're some of the most high performing content that you'll post. So if you haven't already, definitely do some of that. But those are the three pillars. And, you know, they've definitely kind of found their own body over time. For example, like entertainment content is incredibly important. And I think there's ways to infuse entertainment with each of the three pillars. Um, But at its core, it really is just so important to remember to rotate through these different pillars to give your audience different glimpses into your life. And I was personally so resistant to doing day in the life content, get ready with me content. My team was like begging me to do it for like six months. (laughs) And meanwhile, we get so annoyed at clients when they don't do it. And I'm like, no guys, I can't do it. this. (laughs) Finally did it. And it has performed so well. And it is now really frequent content that we do. Don't get me wrong. It's a heavy lift and it's things you need to plan out. But when you see the results that come from it, it really, really does make a difference. And to me, like I'm very data driven. And when you tell me something's performing well and we're seeing conversions from it, there's no reason to not continue doing it. Yeah. 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 Um, Steve Bartlett, if you don't know, he does a podcast called Dire of a CEO and he's out of the UK and uh, he actually brings really high level guests in like Mel Robbins, um, trying to think of who else, like actors, actresses. Um, I can't think of any of the people right now, but anyway, but he, he gets really vulnerable on the show. Um, and they, they come in and they're in person, they sit across from each other. They have a real conversation. It's videotaped. Um, and then it's also uploaded to the podcast, but he's huge on YouTube and he does a lot of, you know, snippets from the, um, from the full length interviews and the interviews themselves are an hour or more long, mm-hmm. which I mean, that's the first mistake right there, right? Your content's mm-hmm. too long, but he has millions of followers. He's mm-hmm. super popular and he makes almost every guest cry, not because mm-hmm. he's being a bully, but because he's asking really vulnerable questions. He's asking them to be really transparent and authentic with him and his audience Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the last one that I saw most recently was the actress from Aria from, um, Game of Thrones. If you've never seen the show, she's like a, just a young girl at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the show and ends up, you know, um, going through a lot of trauma, a lot of childhood trauma, <laughs> <laughs> theoretically set in the medieval times. Right. But, um, you know, she was able to open up to him. And I think that the reason 
he's able to accomplish that is he does provide a safe space. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very um, warm, welcoming person mm-hmm. in general. Um, and he's not, he's there to learn from them. And that was what started the podcast was that's why it's called diary of CEOs because he was there to interview these people to gain um, knowledge for himself and experience for himself. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's been a huge uh, I love it. Like I, I will like binge watch that all weekend long. Yeah. Just leave it on the TV and just walk around the house doing all my things. Yeah. But um, that was one of the things I wanted to circle back to because not everyone will know who Steve Bartlett is, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's the host of Diary of a CEO. The other thing was when you talk about the, um, the day in the life content. And I think because I have a psychology background. So one of the things that I think um, is really cool about that content is because we are busy doing something else, putting our makeup on, doing dishes or whatever. And some of them are voiceovers, but some of them are actually talking while they're doing the thing. Mm -hmm. It disengages and puts us kind of on autopilot because we're physically doing one thing and our mouth is doing another. Mm -hmm. And the mind body, the mouth connection isn't as scripted. Yeah, we can't like intentionally say things. Everything's very, I don't know, for lack of a better word, but intuitive. Yeah, you know, um, and it feels much more authentic. And I can see why it resonates with people. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that the viewer is almost on autopilot as well. I find myself (laughs) when I'm consuming that type of content, I very rarely continue swiping until it's done because I'm just kind of like, oh, well, what's going to happen next? And like, you know, they're typically pretty fast paced. And so it keeps you really on your toes and you are listening to words while you're watching something else happen. And they're not typically like congruent in the same way. Uh Um, And it really does keep you engaged. And we actually posted, I, um, our team is fully remote and we have had a fully remote team since day one. And I had our first in-person team retreat uh, in January of this year. So last month, and we, you know, after years and years of zoom calls, we finally got together in person and it was one of the best experiences ever. But from that, our, our team who does our, uh, marketing had told me when you're setting up the retreat house, cause I got to the retreat, we rented an Airbnb for a few days that everyone came in. I got there a day early and I was setting up the whole house. They were like, okay, film the setup process. Like just film, you know, the couple of hours that you're setting up the house. And I was like, okay, like that's kind of boring. Like, I don't know if that's going to do well. It's like one of our top posts now. And it, you know, it was just me putting up balloons and setting up the food and, you know, stocking the fridge and all these things. And this voiceover about how important this retreat was and how exciting it it was for everyone on the team. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's those little moments in your day and it doesn't even have to be a whole day. It can be just like this one little segment that really builds this Oh wow, you you do that? Like that's so yeah, you're a real person. Huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. You as the owner went in for your employees a day early and did all the stuff for them, like and was a part of all that. And that matters. In the world of work, the idea that you would come in and do that um, for the people and bring them all in and bring them together and put in that kind of effort that you don't see often. makes a huge difference, which speaks volumes to your brand. And again, what you were saying as far as you are the face of your brand. So it's your story. And this is what you do for 
your team and your business and the people that matter um, and the understanding of that and you're personal with it. That makes such a big difference. I think it means a lot when somebody actually, you know, does that for their team. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's funny because as you're saying that, like that, it was, wasn't even, that hasn't even resonated to me that that's like an above and beyond thing to do for your team, because that is just like at the core of who I am, but that is also at the core of who we are as a team for our clients. And it's such a great point because sometimes you don't even realize that the core values that you have as a person mm-hmm. or you emulate as a company and bring to the forefront for your clients or, you know, whatever it is that you do mm-hmm. really comes through in different ways that would not come through in like an educational post mm-hmm. or, you know, here's three ways how to do X, Y, and Z. Like you really do want to showcase it in unique and different ways. And that the way that you do, I, I believe the way you do one thing is how you do everything. And, um, you know, you're able to bring that to the forefront when you show these little clips of how you're doing something small, um, throughout your day to day, you know, Mm -hmm. it's such a great point. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you, when you first sat back and you, you created that, that, content that was a little vulnerable and, you know, authentic. And then you sat back and you're like, all right, I'm going to trust this is going to create revenue. Um, Talk to us about that. Like, how long did it take? How did it feel? Did you tweak it? What came out of that for you? Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely weren't doing super vulnerable content in the beginning when, you know, driving revenue was the most critical, you know, in the beginning, it's incredibly important that everything is driving revenue for in the beginning though. What I will say is that I was, the thing I was doing different than a lot of people in the beginning was I actually was doing video content back in 2017, 2018, when that was like, that's embarrassing. Like, why are you filming? Video yeah, content? Yeah. <laughs> now I it's was, like, it was, if you're not doing video content, that's embarrassing. Exactly. And at that time it was, I think it was IGTV and you only had 60 seconds. So every video I did was 59 and a half seconds because I have a lot to say. And it was, I would batch them out in my like studio apartment in New York city. You know, it was like this moment in time that I can always go back to and be like, how fucking weird was I? Like, I don't know why I was doing that, but it really set me up for filming all of the video we do today. And, you know, I think there's a lot of value in getting comfortable with your content, but for, to answer your question around like how long does that take to drive revenue? I mean, it, it definitely takes time to build momentum. And that is for sure the hardest part. And it's something that we guide all of our clients through is setting those proper expectations because everyone wants to think, oh, I'm going to hire someone. I'm going to invest all this money. I'm going to put all this time into creating, you know, what they're asking me to create. And then I don't see results in the first 30 days. Mm -hmm. What the heck am I doing? And they're messing up. And for us, setting those expectations is really important. And even across our team internally as well. So I always say, you know, when you bring someone new on like 90 days is how long it takes to really build that snowball effect and see momentum. For us, when we were starting out in the beginning, it was definitely slower than 90 days because we were early on. It was just me creating the content there. You know, my engagement time was I don't know, 11 PM after I was done working my full-time job and creating content and <laughs> replying to clients and things like that. So it really wasn't there. There wasn't a lot of strategy. It was really like, get hit the pavement, do what you can do and get it out there. Um, 
But with that being said, we signed clients within the first six months from social media. One of those clients is actually still with us today. She's been with us for three years now. Like it really is so much about relationships. And that's what I always like to kind of tell everyone is, yeah, social media is social media. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the relationships that you're building. And when we, in our social media management package, we do a lot of engagement with our clients' audiences. So that is, yeah, it's replying to comments, you're replying to DMs, but we do intentional outbound engagement. And that's really where like a lot of the results come in because you're building relationships. And it's not enough to just like comment on someone's, like, oh, it's so beautiful, like love the work you did. I like want to vomit when I see those comments because that's not relationship building. That's not building connection and it's not building your community. And so you're not going to see the results from that. And I'm just a very relationship driven person and believe that because of what we know, yeah, we're all online and we all spend, I mean, my phone time usage is disgusting. <laughs> and it's like a lot every day that we all are on our phones and consuming content, but at its core, we're all looking for community. And we're all looking for something to connect with. And that going back again to that vulnerable content, that is why that content performs well is because you're giving people a connection point. And that's what we're all craving. And that's what we should all be drive or aiming to, to create within the content that we're producing. So when you say outbound, is that like the messages I get when I like something and they immediately message me and say, Hey, we'd love to talk to you some more. Here's a link. Set up a call with us. No, I didn't think so, but I wanted to clarify. Hard no. That's why I was clarifying because no. I was like, yeah, we probably should clarify. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. There are some really spammy ways to do outbound engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, there, so we kind of have a few different ways that you can go, that we go about it and that we recommend going about it. Um, really at its core is building that relationship first and foremost. So never doing just like the cold pitch right away, unless you, it's very few and far between, you know, like there are some opportunities where you're just like, Hey, like I absolutely love everything you're doing. Like I genuinely want to be a part of this mission. Like, would you be open to talking about how I can support you and being really genuine in that outreach, but it's not the like, Hey, saw you like this post. We love what you're doing. Uh, do you want to book a call with me and then sign a $20,000 package? It's like, if that's not it, we're all so beyond that. Um, and so the outbound that we typically do is a lot of relationship and with that relationship, it requires follow-up and it requires touch points along the way. So for example, we, we do outbound engagement in our account every single day. Um, that is part of our just process. And we connect with a lot of people who need our services, but we do not just go straight into the pitch. A lot of the relationship building is asking questions. And I, you know, that really is sales at the end of the day Mm -hmm. is a good sales process is about the other person and it is not about you. It's about getting the answers that are going to facilitate a recommendation that's really custom and deals with and serves them in the best way that they need service. Um, And so a lot of our relationship building is asking those questions in a really authentic way because we always tell, we can, we always know when this isn't feeling authentic because people just won't respond. Mm -hmm. So if you're not getting responses to your engagement, that should tell you, go back to the drawing board, rework what you're doing because it's not working. For us, we get a lot of responses along the way. And then we kind of lead to, you know, well, hey, like you're telling us this, 
this is something that we offer. Does this feel like it might be a good fit for you? Like, would you want to learn more? Like, if not, like that's totally cool. But if this is something that you need at this point, like we'd love to talk to you more about this, but that's not how every conversation goes by any means. We connected with someone in October who ended up booking a sales call with us. She booked the call in November for January because the holiday season, lots going on. Totally good. Like that's awesome. Well, we put on our to-do list every single week to have a touch point with her leading up to the sales call because it's not just about getting on the sales call. It's about fostering that relationship, whether or not she signed on that sales call, which she did sign, which is great, but she, we want to build that relationship along the way. And I think that that really gets lost in the marketing sales process of consumption and just like numbers game on social media for a lot of businesses. I don't know about you, but I see that happening more and more that that it isn't marketing and or sales, it's marketing and sales, and they happen simultaneously congruently. They're not separate things anymore. Yeah, I, I really struggle with that. Yeah, I I actually really hate that because I agree with you. And I hate that there is this now blurred line between marketing and sales because it gets really confusing for the uh, client, right? So we're selling marketing services, but what you want are sales from marketing. However, I am not your sales process, right? So our job is on the marketing side to bring in leads like top of funnel, attract new eyes, get in front of the right people, bring them down the funnel to the point where they then book a sales call or they go to your website to purchase. However, there's a lot of factors that come into play here. And when we work with businesses that aren't seeing the results they want to see with us, we work with them to say, okay, well, if you look at your call booking link, it kind of sucks. Like there's no like easy access way to book the call or, you know, this intake form has 35 questions on here. It's going to take me 30 minutes to fill out. I'm not going to fill out this form to book a sales call with you. Like this process doesn't make sense. Or maybe your product page to sell the product has like one description line. And I have no idea what the dimensions are, or how the weight is, or like you're missing information along the way. And so that's really the challenge that comes into this new world that we are in right now, a hundred percent. Like everyone is blurring these lines between marketing and sales. But I think it's really important to remember at the end of the day that they are different. When you look at corporate, they're different departments, right? Like they should be different departments and different segments of your brain and different avenues that you're looking at your business in because they genuinely are not the same. They should have like similar results, but they're, they really do live in their own avenues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think just like any well-oiled machine, there should be a good line of communication between the two so that you do have that what feels like seamless to the the client, right? To the customer. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is definitely critical is to like have a communication around what those goals are for your sales with your marketing team. Because I find that that's sometimes a disconnection as well. You're expecting one result, but you aren't even telling the team who's supposed to be driving those results that that's what you want. So let's start there. And then yes, like make sure there's an open communication. We actually have been working with a lot of our clients in the past six months or so to build their sales funnel together so that we can support them with that in their DMs. Because in the past, we would, of course, like we bring people into the DMs. And then once the sales conversations start, we'd kind of let a client know like, hey, it's time for you to jump in, you know, nurture them to the sale, tell them where they go, where to go, etc. Um, and now we're sort of doing that instead of them. And so, you know, as the world changes, and as the industries change, 
as service providers, we have to adapt. Yeah. So there's, you know, agreed. Like because that you need that continuity happen. because we as a customer can tell immediately the tones change. This is not the same person. This mm -hmm. may not even be the same company. Do I still want to do business with them? Yeah. Because it feels Absolutely. like something's different. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, with corporate, you if everybody's on the same mission, right? We understand the mission, vision, and values of the company. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the challenges I think that we have started to face as uh, we've moved, you know, into this remote workplace where you are outsourcing marketing, you are outsourcing sales, you are outsourcing um, advertising, PR, whatever it is, mm -hmm. because they don't understand your mission, vision, and values. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the most important things we can do as entrepreneurs is make it really clear. I want to work with clients that align with me so I don't have to worry about <laughs> playing values hockey when I'm talking to you or your customers because right. we're aligned. Well, and that's part of knowing well in your alignment and stuff, like when you were talking about the pillars, like for us as an agency, we realized, I've realized really quickly and early on marketing and sales is not my forte and so as as the owner of the agency though i have people and vas and, and project managers stuff that love and do that technically that's not my forte i'm not able to quality control that or really look at it or give guarantees and promises and stuff so those are things that then you give to those experts, you send to those. That's why people, it's like, even in, and when we speak about non-compete, it's really just that it's, yes, we do similar things, me and Angelique, but we don't do the same thing. She understands same social way. media so much more than I do because I'm social media adverse. I'm just not a fan. I love scrolling and looking at cute dog videos and stuff that I send her all the time. <laughs> That's the extent of it. <sighs> But it's those things when it comes when it came to the business where I was really like, oh, but Angelique knows that stuff. So, again, those resources, those brandings and what you're doing and where your expertise is and where you're falling. So it's even in that, like your marketing and it falls into different areas and things. So it makes sense when you bring all that together and knowing the differences in why certain agencies do certain things, because we have the same blurred lines between VAs, project management online business management, yeah. you know, like all of that, there's very blurred lines in our world as well. So it's, it's really, you have to be really careful with all of I that. I think we could go down a huge rabbit hole with I'm this, sorry. to be honest. Yeah. We're, we're so close to time. So, uh, Emma, you have a, um, free course about master your marketing. Tell us about that. Yeah. So master marketing is a free course that we offer and it has it is so value packed. It is jam full of really helpful information. If you are someone who wants to grow your brand, you utilizing social media marketing, um, it goes over a lot of the strategies that we implement for our clients so that you can kind of DIY it. If you are in that beginning stage, um, before you want to outsource, as we've talked about to the experts and really take it up a notch. Um, but it is available on our website and on masteryourmarketingcourse.co. And it's just a great resource to kind of hop inside of and, um, join. So our website is 95media.co, but you can join uh, there as well. And it's just, yeah, it's a great resource for wherever you are on your journey. Even if you do outsource, honestly, like you were saying, Laura, like having that quality check and be able to 
say, okay, well, what if we did it like this? Or have we approached it with this strategy um, along the way can just be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Perfect. And we'll drop, as usual, the links in the show notes for you to uh, connect with Emma and her team and check out that free course. Um, And, um, you know, as always, oh, next week, it's a surprise. I guess it's a surprise next week. I'll tell you why it's a surprise because it's going to be a surprise (laughs) to us too. Um, (laughs) So we're starting this new format. So we're just getting started actually reaching out and getting guests lined up. So that's why it's going to be a surprise. And Mm -hmm. as always, we would love to include you in everything we're doing. So be sure to follow us in all the places, subscribe, um, and uh, get so you can get the newsletter and see all the social media posts that we produce. And Emma, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. Yeah, I always loved it. Really was, it really was. It yeah. really was. I really liked. I really liked where it went today. Yes. Not that I don't like where it goes every time, but you know, what I mean. <laughs> like I, 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 I dig the marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why Laura's been kind of quiet. Yeah, I love it. I, I'll soak up all the information. I do mm-hmm. love it. Um, but again, I don't understand it as easily. So I'm more of the operations analytic side of things. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So Emma, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all for being with us today. We will see you next Monday at the same time at 12 p.m. Eastern live. And um, we'll see you thank next week. You.